Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we continue through the middle of the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus leads the crowds through the process of a reforming of many of the religious practices. The subject for this morning is prayer. And we will examine what Jesus has to teach us and how it squares with our personal practices, our cultural forms, and misconceptions. Thanks for listening. Of the few times that I've had opportunity to to travel, uh, one thing that I uh, like to do as I'm um, settling in to the hotel room is turn on the TV. Anybody else like that? Just where's the remote? Let me make sure this thing works, right? And uh, one thing that I have found curious is, first of all, the channels are always different. It doesn't matter where I'm at, nothing's ever on the same channel that I expected to be at. Um, and then the second thing that I notice is they've always got um, Christian channels. And I'm going to use that in quotes. Uh, EWTN, that's a, a Catholic channel that they'll have, and it'll, it'll show services. And generally, the next one right after that is... Uh, TBN, uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network, or Daystar, which is a little bit more uh, charismatic flavor. And one of the things that I'll do is I'll, I'll switch between them. I'll flip for one and the next and the next. And it's very bizarre because what you see between these two examples of Christianity seems so very different. I wanted to give you a little glimpse of that this morning. So with that, here's a little shot for EWTN. <laughs> And then I'd flip the channel to this. And eventually, I just watched Star Trek, is what happened. It's just, it's something that I I have a hard time reconciling, because they got the same Bibles, right? It's the same God, but if you came as an alien to Earth and watched one of these, you would say those are completely different religions. And hard to fathom what what it looks like to pray. And we're in this series on, uh, I'm calling reformation, because what I'm challenging us towards is trying to disengage from the pattern and the way in which we've kind of just all accepted, oh, this is how it is. This is how it must be. And and you remember last week we looked at giving and and the structure in which how we have to reframe, we have to reform how we think about giving according to what Jesus says, according to what the Bible says, not according to how um, your your tax preparer is going to encourage you to give or how you might give uh, to, uh, to, a, to a need that you identify. What does the Bible have to say about it? Reform how you think. Don't, don't be pressed into the mold. Remember that example? The, the closer you are into the world, the more it presses and squeezes you into its mold. And, and I fear that we maybe have done the same thing with prayer. 
I, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I think this is a bit of a challenging message. And if you're somebody who, who struggles with prayer, I, I want to encourage you to really try to uh, pay close attention today. I, I've included in the sermon notes quite a bit of information once again, but also a lot of blanks for you to fill in as we go on together. Um, I, I'd, like, I'd like to ask that even if this is challenging, don't, don't reject uh, the message from God's word today right away, but uh, take time to dwell upon it. Allow it to reform the way in which you approach God in prayer. I'm entitling this reformation prayer. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, continuing in the same Sermon on the Mount, uh, starting in verse 5. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me now. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, we're going to read 5 uh, straight through 18. Uh, you, you may have headings in your Bible that include prayer and fasting and uh, we're lumping them together because that's what Jesus does. Uh, if you are fasting without praying, you are not fasting. You're dieting. So um, you, you need to make sure you recognize that some of the themes that you're going to find re- that, uh, uh, brought to the surface in prayer, you're going to see the same themes brought to the surface in fasting. So I want to make sure you're relating those two. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. (coughs) Forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus comes once again in this context of overturning the way in which people have just become accustomed to thinking. And he teaches them, look, when you fast, this is the way you ought to do it. And when you pray, this is how you should do it. And to begin with, I want to just walk through a few of the ways in which I think we have some misconceptions on prayer. Number one, right at the very top, is righteousness. Um, Praying does not make you righteous. 
Praying does not make you righteous. Jesus Christ has made you righteous. All right, are we, are we clear on that? You, you don't do a work, you don't pray, you don't uh, come and fall on your knees to become righteous. You pray from a position of righteousness that's been purchased for you, not by your ability, not by what you choose to do, but by what Jesus has already done. We got to be clear on this one because I bet everybody here would be like, Pastor, I got this. I know that, but we don't act like that. We still, if I told you, I come up here and pray every day, every day, right before the cross, I pray. I'm being facetious, but if someone did that, you might think, wow, you're spiritual. Like, you really must love Jesus. That's not what it is. Your, your commitment to prayer is not earning for you any greater standing before God. And if you think that, you, you have unfortunately reversed the manner of finding justification for sin and righteousness before God because it's by the work of Jesus Christ that you're righteous. It's not through prayer. Uh, and Paul will write to uh, the Romans to say that there is none who is righteous. No, not even one. No one seeks God. Righteousness has come to you and I by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not by our response to that. But we should still pray. So uh, if it's not righteousness, some people think it's quantity, right? Uh, the, the amount of prayer. How often you pray. That's what really matters. Why, why aren't your prayers being answered? Well, you just need to do what? Pray. Yeah, right? That tends to be how we think because that's how you get cookies from grandma, right? Right? Can I get another cookie? No. Please. Please, 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 I please, right? You just keep going long enough and finally, geez, here, take the cookie, right? Right, this tends to be how we operate. And we take this same worldly way, this conforming of thinking, that must be how God works too. That, that if I could just pray more, he'd hear me. If I just had the endurance to pray longer, right? Sweet hour of prayer. Hour of prayer? When's the last time you spent an hour in prayer? And I'm, I'm a pastor. I don't even spend an hour in prayer. Not in the way you may be thinking of. But it's not the quantity that matters. If you think it's that, you're thinking like the world thinks. Uh, there's a passage uh, in 1 Kings. Uh, I... Elijah, he, he's battling with these false prophets, these, these prophets of a false god called Baal. And they're on Mount Carmel, and, and the, the deal is it's a showdown between the gods, all right? So you got Elijah's god, Yahweh, and you, and you got the, the god Baal and all of his prophets. And which one of these two gods is going to show up? And Elijah says, all right, I'm going to give you home field advantage. Uh, call on your God. See if he shows up. Here's the story in 1 Kings 18. It says, so they took the bull given to them and prepared it. And they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. That's longer than an hour. I don't know if you caught that, right? <laughs> Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made it. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. And so they shouted louder. And they slashed themselves with swords and spears. It was, it was their custom until blood flow. 
you're doing it wrong. First of all, they got the wrong God, right? I mean, we could begin there. They got the wrong God. The foolishness here is to think that for some reason it's my quantity of praying that's going to make the difference. Because that's how it works with people. We, we got to fix that. That is not how we should think about prayer. All right, this next one might be difficult for you. Uh, I'm, I'm entitling it Superstition. This is where you want the pastor to bless things for you, thinking that that has done something. Um, your home, your, your pet. Your, and I think even Pastor Dave did that at one point. Am I right in that? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, how about when you, before you eat? Uh, I love my grandma. She's wonderful. Fantastic food. Way better than my mom's. I can say that because she's not here today. <laughs> my grandma's food was awesome, right? My mom would make, like, broccoli chicken casserole. Wow, right? No. <laughs> so we, we'd be praying at grandma's house, and after she would pray, and she did this very rote Catholic prayer. Uh, for these, I guess... Please, I guess, we receive in the bounty through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Follow the name of the Amen. Right? That, that's, and she did it like that every time. And then she would say at the end, now the food will taste better. And I'd be like, Grandma, this works. This is awesome. And I thought, I'm going to try this on my mom's casserole. And it didn't work. It's, it's the false way of thinking about things. That, that if, we, if we just prayed a little prayer over it, it's going to somehow spiritually infuse something to change it. And it's not true. That's your imagination. That's, that's, I, really, that's called spiritism. And it, it comes from paganism. Uh, it's, it's practiced with voodoo and witchcraft. This, this form of trying to think, I'm going to bless this object, and now it's holy because we have prayed over it. That's not what prayer is for. I, I do, however, want you to recognize that there is a purpose behind this, behind prayer. And it has to do with this. I want you to imagine that you are uh, like a block of wood, all right? That, that your life is this beautiful uh, cedar plank here, this piece of wood. And that trials in your life are like a big old rusty nail, right? That's in here that doesn't belong in here, right? Whether that's... Uh, personally, financially, uh, in your marriage, uh, whatever that might be in your life, this is the problem, right? Um, maybe it's, uh, let's, let's pick, let's pick our, our house, for example, right? Where we want a blessing over our home. Right? Uh, when you pray over your home or over your pet or over whatever the situation might be, what you're doing and what you should be doing is akin to saying, here's the problem. And I can't deal with it, right? I can't get it out. But who can? But God can. So when you pray for certain things in your life, what you need to think of, and I'm going to let Tom here be my standing for God, right? So he's, he, he's God in this example. What this is doing is taking, here's the situation in my life, and praying about it is doing this. I'm handing it over to God. That's what I'm doing. So when I pray for my kid before they go to college, there's nothing superstitious going on there. You know what I'm doing, though? I'm handing my kid over to God. When I've got a meal in front of me and I want it to taste better or whatever, right, what I'm doing is I'm offering it to God. 
I'm thanking God for uh, my my pet, my dog, or my cat. I, I want I want to pray over it. I'm not doing anything superstitious with this. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm offering this to God. That, that's what you're doing because you know what? What's the nail for God? Is that a problem for Him? No. Not a problem for Him. Is it a problem for you? Yeah. yeah. I can't deal with this. And so when we pray in a form of handing things to God, there's nothing that's happening magically. All right, is everybody tracking with this? And I, again, I think this is kind of a, a change in how we think about prayer. What you're doing is you are handing that situation over to the one who can handle it. That's what we should be doing. We're not infusing any special taste bud, anything to make it different, right? That's not what's happening. The change is not happening with the circumstance. The change is happening in my heart. Did you catch that? i got to say that again. That's primary when it comes to our understanding of prayer. Reform our thinking that you would understand your prayers are not changing something external to you. Like, like witchcraft would be or voodoo would be. Your prayers are changing you. You used to be here trying to deal with this, right? This, is, this was you. Until you got down on your knees and you said, all right, it's yours now. Where did the change happen? The nail might still be there, but there has been a change. And the change is in who possesses the tribe. All right, <clears throat> this next one again is going to be a tough one. Here we go, number four, power. There's power in prayer, amen? Amen. Is there? Go with me on this now. Make sure, and I've said this. Well, we just spent a, a weekend preparing for Curcio, and, and I, I would have even said this myself. There, oh, there is power in prayer. Pastor boy, there is power in prayer. I've got to tell you this morning, there is no power in prayer. There is power in God. There's a difference. Right? There are a lot of religions, and there's a lot of people in this world who pray. Like five times a day facing Mecca, praying, right? Thinking there's power in that. There is no power in prayer. There is rather power in God. And so here's how I want you to think of this. Uh, let's go with this illustration again. If, if this has been handed over to God, right, and it's still something that needs to come out, the way in which I tap into power, God's power, is by prayer. This is my illustration for prayer. This is what prayer is. Uh, if I asked Jerry to put his hands on this and pull it out, I bet he couldn't do it. But if I gave him this, I bet you could. Right? I bet it won't be a problem at all. Right? But what if I said, all right, there's the problem. Here's prayer. Watch this. Ready, everybody? Is there any power in prayer? The prayer is the leverage, but the power comes from the one who holds the other side. That's where the power comes from. Now, you and I need to be praying. We will find that that's the way that we find the leverage. But the power is not coming from the tool itself. And prayer is a tool in our lives. The power comes from God. So I'm probably going to say that in the future. Boy, there's power in prayer, but everybody knows what I mean, right? Uh, the, the power isn't in the instrument. The instrument just sits here uh, lifeless, right? There, there is no power in the instrument itself. The power comes from the one who holds the other side of the tool. And this is what prayer is in our life. 
this, this is our life, right? This is the trial that we face. When we hand it over to God and when we pray, we're allowing the power of God to work its way down into the problem of our life. That's why we pray. Not because there's power in prayer, but rather because there's power in God. All right. Uh, next one here. Um, incantation. I, I put that down because I've heard many times folks tell me that I just don't know how to pray. This isn't any one person. Um, I've heard this a lot in my whole life far before I came to grace. I, I just don't know how to pray. I'm not good at it. You know what? You're just fine. There is no magic formula to prayer. Maybe you've gone to church and you've just heard somebody who likes to hear the sound of their own voice. And so they pray long, flowery prayers, right? And you think incorrectly that you need to do that in order to pray. That's wrong. That's wrong. It it is not a, a special formula of words that you say that makes God hear you. It's the simplicity of a prayer that comes from your heart. I mentioned this verse already out of Romans, but I want you to see what Paul says. To the church, he writes, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for. Anybody there? That's me. I don't know. I'm not good at praying. That's why we hired a pastor. Look what it says. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There is no magic formula to prayer. Um, I also want in this same, in the same number five leading into six, uh, there needs to be a confession where we say, God does not always answer your prayers the way you want. Wasn't that a Garth Brooks song? I thank God for unanswered prayers. Right? Sorry, a little hoarse today. I would do it. I'm a much better singer normally. But yeah. <laughs> if God's not answering your prayers, it may not be because you're doing it wrong. It might be because he says, I'm not interested in pursuing that one right now. Or maybe it's not the right time. Right? And, and God is either telling you to wait or maybe he's telling you no. It's not that you're doing it wrong or that there's a problem with prayer. You need to remember that the primary purpose of prayer is an internal change on your part. That you and I would take whatever we're facing and we would hand it over to him. And that in praying, we would be introducing the leverage and power of God into our circumstances. There's no magic formula to it. All right. Uh, Lastly, I just call it the genie effect. Right. Uh, This is all too prevalent in our world today. Um, people think that God is just kind of a magic genie. I could ask him for anything. And he's going to give me because he loves me. Isn't that what the Bible says? In fact, if you go to John 15, it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's like Aladdin, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's right out of the movie. <laughs> ask whatever you wish. No, that's John chapter 15, verse 7. Except we've, you know, we skipped the beginning, which says this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you then what ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you if we if we go to god thinking that he's some kind of cosmic genie 
you have been conformed by the world. That's, that's part of the world's um, heritage, their theology. Right? That is not the God of the scriptures. So uh, it's not, it doesn't make us righteous. You don't need more of it to be heard. Uh, it's not doing anything magical. There is no power in prayer itself. Uh, it's not some magic formula you have to follow. And God is not a cosmic genie. So let's try to reform now um, what the Bible has to say concerning giving. Um, oh, look at that. I put the wrong type. Conserving prayer. I apologize. My headings are still uh, from last week. Uh, number one, pray with sincerity. In simplicity. That's it. Number one. Pray with sincerity and with simplicity. If you saw in um, Matthew chapter 6, he starts off by saying, Don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing on the synagogues to be uh, street corners to be seen by men. These long, flowery prayers, right? That's not how you should pray. Simplicity. That's how you should pray. In verse 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. There ought to be a sincerity that comes with prayer. That's what matters. Simplicity and sincerity. Secondly, pray to God like you would talk to your Father. This is what he says in in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 11. So I want you to see um, the parallel passage with this. As Luke records, Jesus says a little bit more uh, that Matthew doesn't record. And there's a word I want you to add to this. Uh, I want you to add, pray to God like you would talk to your father or friend. Father or friend. Luke chapter 11 Uh, We have, once again, Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. And there you see the pattern once again. Our Father, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, right? But then look at the illustration he gives in verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine's on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to uh, set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already been locked. My children are with me in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. Right? That, that, that's, that's a typical response, right? If you come knock on my door at midnight, I'll be like, I'm in bed. My children are in bed. The door is locked. Right? This would be a typical worldly response, but look at verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he... Uh, because he is a friend, yet because the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. That friendship is what you have with God. You do. If you're redeemed by the blood of the Son of God, you are his friend. Are you asking him for what you need? Are you asking God to come into your life? I want to make sure that you don't think that this is any kind of persistence here. That's not what Jesus is getting at. Like, you just got to keep asking. We've already seen that doesn't work. That's not the point of it. The point of it is that God loves you like a friend. So much so that he will get up out of bed because you came and asked. He'd stop what he was doing because you asked. 
So pray to God like you would talk to your father or like you would talk to a friend. Um, the, the next line here, look with me in verse 11 if you're still in chapter 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Right, what, what dad would do that? Jerk dad, right? That, no one would do that. He, and look, that's, that's his point. Right? Verse 12, if he asks for an egg, we give him a scorpion. Verse 13, if you then, though you're evil, because human beings are still cursed by sin, know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see the relationship? Father, children, do you see that? So when you pray, pray to God like you're talking to your father. Or like you're talking to a friend. Now, how many of you, <coughs> if, if we, um, I saw you at Walmart, right? We just happened to cross paths. We're there. And you say, oh, theeth Ryan, I longeth to see thee and welcome thee into my presence. I'd, I'd probably turn around and leave if you did that. That's not how you, that's not how you talk to a friend, right? Or if you were to go to your father and I... Uh, I, I beseech thee, uh, daddy-o of mine, uh, can I borrow theeth 20 bucks? <laughs> you don't talk like that. Why would you and I then think that we need to talk to God like that? You don't need to talk to God like that. You don't need to add frills and flowery nonsense to talking with God. Speak to him like you would speak to a friend. That's it. It's as simple as that. When you say, I don't know how to pray, I'm just not sure, I'm pretty sure you know how to talk to your friends. And I'm pretty sure you know how to talk to your fathers, right? That's the model that Jesus gives us. That's the model that he gives us to pray to God, which ought to blow our minds, really, that you and I have the ability to approach God like that. But that's it. So when you pray, pray to God like you talk to your father or a friend. Number three, pray in secret. Without drawing attention, this is what he says in verse 6, right? Close the door. And your father who's done what, uh, sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Um, War Room, it's a movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's awesome. Awesome, inspirational movie uh, centering on the power of God in prayer. And that in this uh, relationship with a husband and a wife. But fantastic. The pattern of, uh, of a woman who, who finds the closet and she goes in there and she prays. And it's simple and it's sincere and it's in secret. And that's the pattern that's been given to us. That's how we should pray. Don't have, to, don't have to stand up here in front of the pulpit and pray. You go out in the woods and pray. Right? How many guys in your deer stand? You're praying, right? Yeah. Uh, ladies, thank you. That's right. I forgot I was in the UP. That's right. <laughs> You, you can pray to God anytime and anywhere, but do so between you and him. If you're praying so that other people are listening, you're not just praying to God anymore. Now I'm praying so that other people are listening. And God's just like, I want to quit talking to them. Just talk to me. I just want I just want to talk me and you together. So pray to God in secret without drawing attention. Number four, pray in confidence that God knows what you need. I, I got to hit this one heavy. That when you go to God, you don't go trembling and in fear. God already knows what you need. Did you see it here in, in uh, verse 8? Do not be like them, the pagans who keep babbling, right? Because it says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what you need even before you ask. 
And so you can have a confidence. You can have a confidence to go to him. Um, I got little kids, right? And so when I hear a, a, a squeal, when I hear uh, the metaphorical nail hit their lives, ah! right? I, I know what's coming next. Mommy! Right? Or if I'm really unfortunate, daddy! Right? That's what's coming next. Well, so I know before, before they even have to say that, I love my kids. And if I hear the squeal come out of their, their poor little um, lives, I, I'm already moving towards them. Right? I'm already moving because though being evil, I'm a good dad. And I know how to take care of them. And that's me. Imagine God. God knows what you need before you even ask him. So you can have a confidence when you pray to him. Not, not feeling like, oh, I just got to pray so hard so he hears. He knows. Just give it to him. He knows. All right, number five. Pray the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for how to pray. This is what it says. Look in verse 9. You should underline it. This then is how you should pray. Not what you should pray. I, I'm thankful that we, we pray the disciples prayer here. But the Lord's prayer. I'm thankful we do that on Sunday. It's good. You should be praying this kind of pattern. Everybody heard Tom's children's message. Right? That was it. Uh, I'm just going to cut it short for the sake of time. You play the tape back and listen to that again. But. Uh, what you find here in the Lord's Prayer is a pattern for how we should pray. I encourage you to study that more on your own. Make it more than just a routine uh, incantation, right? That this is the, this is the prayer I pray over and over and over. Uh, it's a pattern. Formulate it in a way and make it how you pray. And lastly, pray according to God's will. Uh, I think Jesus gives us the best glimpse of this in Gethsemane. He goes with his disciples. He, know, he, he knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows that this is the end. He knows he's going to die. And the text says he dives into the dirt. And his sweat is like drops of blood. Father, take this cup from me. Yet your will be done. Your will be done. We need to make sure that we're always praying according to God's will. Can you ask him for anything, right? That was John 15. Ask him for anything if what? It's in accordance with his will. Lord, if it be your will, let this happen. If I'm praying and it's not in your will, don't let it happen. It doesn't matter my preference. It doesn't matter what I want. It matters what you want. We need to always make sure that when we pray, we're praying, submitting our plans to God's will. Amen? What do you say? So here's where I want to leave you. This is my recommendation on prayer. Just one thing. Here it is. Saturate your life with prayer. Saturate your life with prayer. The moment you get up in the morning, the moment you lay your head down, you don't need some formal, oh, I got to go to church. Someone got a key. I got I to gotta go to church to pray. You don't know I got to come to church to pray. What's your whole life be filled with prayer? When I was a teenager, I went... Um, up, uh, up 95 here uh, and to a guy's uh, hunting camp and uh, he, he was putting on a new roof and he wanted some grunt labor to pull off the old one, right? And so the primary tool in my hand was one of these. Primary tool, right? Uh, because when it came to pulling the nails up, uh, this works a lot better than this, right? My fingernails weren't getting the job done. This thing, though, cruised through the work, right? 
the challenges that I was facing were able to be accomplished with the power of this tool. How foolish of me would it be to start on one corner of the roof, right? Crank out a couple and be like, I'm good. Let me put this down now, right? I don't need it anymore. And try to solve the rest on my own. Why, why would you and I want to leave our lives in any similar fashion? To, make, to maybe start our day with prayer. Lord, I need you today. And then spend the rest of the day without prayer. I, I had to saturate that whole project with this tool. And I want to challenge you as well. Saturate your whole life with prayer. Tap into the power of God. He wants to hear from you, just you and him. He doesn't want you showing off before other people. He wants to talk to you. He doesn't need you to be real flowery with your prayer. Talk to him like you talk to a friend. And make that something that comes every aspect of your life.